informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Thursday, March 30th, 2023. It is the feast of Blessed Amadeus, Duke of Savoy, who was born in 1435 and succeeded his father, Louis, uh, as the Duke of Savoy. He married Yolanda of Valois, sister of King Louis XI, King of France, and had 10 children. Despite his high position, he treated his subjects with kindness and did not exploit them or involve them in useless wars. He was severe with uh, libertines, money changers, and blasphemers. He was known for his goodness to the poor and ministered his state with a Christian spirit. He fasted rigorously, prayed, and did penance. He suffered from epilepsy and his health deteriorated in the last years of his life. But he saw his affliction as a path to the kingdom of God. He died in 1472 at the age of 37. Blessed Amadeus was a model ruler who demonstrated a balance of power and goodness. He was a father and protector of the people, and his actions did not promote revolutionary germs. He lived in accordance with his dignity and had a perfect balance of kindness and respect. Blessed Amadeus, Duke of Savoy, pray for us. Praise be to God. Let us pray for, let's ask Blessed Amadeus to give us good statesmen. Because think about how great it was to live in a time when we had kings and dukes and people who were so saintly and would hate evil and love what is good. Well, today we have the exact opposite, but good morning to you nonetheless. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. I'm so happy that you're joining us today. We have a lot to cover today. Well, let's start off with this. Inside, uh, we're going to have we have about five dozen stories to cover during the 15 after segment. So let's start with this. Pope Francis, who is hospitalized with breathing problems. That's the headline. And everybody, I'm sure, has heard this story. And if you haven't, here's your first time hearing it. The I want to read to you all the official Vatican release on what's going on because some people are saying, oh, Pope Francis is dying, and other people are like, no, he's already dead, and other people say, no, nothing happened at all. So what really happened? Well, Pope Francis is undergoing medical checkups in Rome's Gamili Hospital. He, said, he says he is touched by the many messages received and expresses his gratitude for the closeness and prayers reaching him. In a communication sent on Wednesday afternoon to the journalist, the Holy See Press Office Director, Matteo Bruni, issued a statement informing that this afternoon the Holy Father went to Gamili for some previously scheduled checkups. As is customary, the Holy Father presided over the Wednesday general audience and then afterwards went to the hospital because he was complaining about some respiratory difficulties. And in the afternoon, he went to the hospital to undergo the medical checkups. The results show a respiratory infection COVID-19 infection excluded, and that will require a few days of appropriate hospital medical treatment, and Pope Francis is touched by many messages he received. Okay, so it seems like Pope Francis is fine. Uh, let's pray for him nonetheless, but it seems as though everything is hunky-dory, generally speaking. Of course, you know, you never know. Uh, you can never 100% trust media releases, but I think it's a fair assessment of things that things are probably okay with Pope Francis. But let's pray for his health. Let's pray for that he be uh, a great pope. Uh, good morning to you, Tito Edwards. Good morning, Adrian. Yes, let's pray, pray for Pope Francis. You can never trust the news, uh, but in this case, they mostly got it correct. They, there were, was some confusion because of the, the dramatic moments of what happened, 
but uh, it looks like he's on the rebound. He's doing well, and thanks be to God. How was uh, how's your morning so far, Adrian? Uh, it was. It's okay. It's okay. I woke up. The weather was not too bad, and I made made the trek over here. But uh, the I, I kind of here. I'm gonna have to make a confession. My I woke up a little late this morning, and I actually uh, got up at like almost three o'clock. So I'm like, that's pretty rough. So I woke up late today. So pray for me. But uh, it was a good day. I understand. Uh, I I know where you're coming from. Today was. A, this morning was kind of rough, too, for me. Well, there you go. There you go. Well, at 15 past the hour, we have a lot of stories to cover. Have you heard about the China-Brazil financial deal that happened? Very, very concerning. Also, Matt Walsh, you may know him from the Daily Wire. He received a death threat. His family did, and he had to cancel one of his public talks. And also, you guys want to make sure. So this is why Catholic Radio is so important. If you're watching online... If you're watching on YouTube or on Facebook or on something else, you're going to want to make sure you have the GRN app so you can listen on the radio side. You also might want to hop onto Rumble maybe uh, because at any point today, I think that we might get kicked off because we're going to be talking about the Trans Day of Vengeance. And many, many conservatives have been kicked off of social media for talking about this issue. So this is why we really need Catholic Radio, because it's the one place where you cannot get censored, where they can't just kick you off the platform at any moment. We are on Catholic Radio, and that is a blessing. So we're going to be talking about the Trans Day of Vengeance. It's a very concerning story, um, especially for people living in the D.C. area. But I imagine this is going to be something nationwide. So let's keep an eye on that. At 30 past the hour, Father Thomas Crean with the Dominican Friars of the English province, the Black Friars there. All right, we're going to discuss the Gospels of Mark and Luke. So that's going to be an interesting conversation. He wrote new commentaries on these Gospels. And hey, let me give you some uh, insider information. I loved it, mostly because he included in the introduction that he got a lot of his information from Cornelius Alapidae. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. See, it's not just me. It's not just me. All right. Let's jump in. Let's we'll begin with prayer. We will be praying, of course, for those people who died during the horrific shooting in Nashville, Tennessee. We're praying for uh, the conversion of souls that uh, these people who are desiring to to kill people, that they have a conversion of heart and they come to the Catholic faith and repent and believe in the gospel. And we pray for your intentions, whatever it is that you are praying for. We're praying for that intention or for your friends, family, benefactors, all those we promise to pray for. And for Pope Francis, we pray the Virgo Pater, uh, asking for the intercession of St. Joseph. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. O Joseph, Virgin Father of Jesus, most pure spouse of the Virgin Mary, pray for us daily to the Son of God, that armed with the weapons of his grace, we may fight as we ought in life and be crowned by him in death. Behold the faithful and prudent servant whom the Lord set over his house. Pray for us, O holy St. Joseph, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Thank you very much, Adrian. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Thursday, March 30, and these are your headlines for today. Catholic News Agency reports a Wisconsin man was arrested and charged with violating federal law 
in connection with a May 2022 firebombing of a pro-life organization's Madison office. The case was solved thanks to DNA evidence taken from a half-eaten burrito out of a trash can, the Department of Justice said. Rindindu Sankar Rachodrui, 29, was arrested in Boston this past Tuesday just before getting on a flight to Guatemala City, according to the DOJ. He was charged with one count of attempting to cause damage by means of fire or an explosive. If convicted, he could be sentenced to 20 years in prison. On a side note, hooray for the FBI and the DOJ for following up on one of these firebombings. Next, Crux reports after repeated calls from Canadian indigenous communities for the Catholic Church to rescind the so-called, quote, doctrine of discovery, end quote, the Vatican has disowned that position, claiming it never formed part of the Catholic faith, but stopped short of rescinding it. In a joint statement released Thursday, the Vatican Dicastery for Culture and Education and Human Development said the Church upholds the dignity of every human being and repudiates those concepts that fail to recognize the inherent human rights of indigenous peoples. And finally, the Catholic News Agency reports from the Vatican, Pope Francis is at a Rome hospital to undergo checkups. Pope Francis has been undergoing some medical checkups at one of Rome's most prominent hospitals since Wednesday afternoon, according to a Vatican spokesman. Holy See Press Office Director Matteo Bruni issued a brief statement, quote, for some previously scheduled checkups, end quote, he was sent to Gamelli Hospital. And one last side note, it is incredible the impact of the Catholic faith on the world when I saw that every single news channel and station on TV was covering the health of the Pope. And those were your headlines this morning. May God bless you all. The Gospel of the Day comes from John chapter 8, verses 51 through 59. Believe me when I tell you this, if a man is true to my word, to all eternity he will never see death. And the Jews said to him, Now we are certain that thou art possessed. What of Abraham and the prophets? They are dead. And thou sayest that a man will never taste death to all eternity, if he is true to thy word? Art thou greater than our father Abraham? He is dead, and the prophets are dead. What dost thou claim to be? If I should speak in my own honor, Jesus answered, such honor goes for nothing. Honor must come to me from my father, from him whom you claim as your God. Although you cannot recognize him, but I have knowledge of him, if I should say I have not, I should be what you are, a liar. Yes, I have knowledge of him, and I am true to his word. As for your father Abraham, his heart was proud to see the day of my coming. He saw and rejoiced to see it. Then the Jews asked him, Hast thou seen Abraham, thou who art not yet fifty years old? And Jesus said to them, Believe me, before ever Abraham came to be, I am. Whereupon they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. The Gospel of the Lord. This passage here, there's so much to be said here. Cornelius Lapide explains this passage very, very well. We are going to be covering just a very small tidbit of this passage. He says here in verse 51, Verily, verily, I say, or amen, amen, I say. He says it's not from indignation, but from pity of the Jews, showing that he is seeking not his own glory, but their salvation. I say in very truth, as St. Augustine thinks, he means, I swear that if ye keep my commandments, 
Ye shall never die the death of the soul. Ye shall never sin, for sin is the death of the soul. But ye shall ever live here in the grace of God, and in heaven is his glory. Ye shall die indeed in the body, but I will raise you up in the day of judgment, and ye shall live in happiness of body and spirit for all eternity. Now, I'm going to skip over a lot of other things that Cornelius Lapide said here to skip to the end, which I think is very, very important. He says here that the, that he says, before Abraham was, I am. Now here he spoke the name of God, the name of God, which is so holy, which is so magnificent, especially to the Jews, that they don't even spell out the holy name of our, of our Lord, of God. And so when he goes out and says, I am Everyone was shocked because he made the claim just at this moment that he is God. And for those unbelieving Jews, they were scandalized by this. They could not handle it. And so they took up stones to stone our Lord to death. But then Jesus hid himself. Now, Cornelius Lapide commenting on this, he said, He made himself invisible and thus passed unharmed through the midst of them. So Leonidas and others say, St. Gregory says, had he willed to exercise his power, he would have bound them in their sins or would have plunged them into the pains of eternal death. But he who came to suffer would not exercise judgment. In St. Augustine, he rather commend to us his patience than exercise his power. He forsakes them since they would not accept his correction. He hides not himself in a corner of the temple as if afraid or running into a cottage or turning aside behind a wall or column. But by his divine power, making himself invisible, he passed through their midst. As a man, he fled from the stones, but woe to them whose stony hearts, God flies away. One thing to note here is that our Lord should have, could have, and would have been 100% just in killing them because they came to stone our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But instead, out of mercy, because he desired their salvation, he turned invisible. And he also notes that he does not flee and run away and hide in a corner or hide behind a pillar, but uses his divine power to make himself invisible, and he casually walks through their midst. Very, very important to note. Last thing here, morally, we are taught by this example, humbly to avoid the anger of the proud, even when we have the power to resist them. Very important, especially when what we're going to talk about coming up next. Let's humbly avoid the anger of the proud, even when we have the power to resist them. Keep that in mind. We're going to be talking about this more on the other side of this break. More with Catholic Drive Time after this. God love you. Hey, Donnie, what two important things do we receive when we go to Mass? Scripture and the Eucharist. Great job. You're so smart. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. 
this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Haven't you honestly wondered, why do all the different denominations break away from each other? Timeline, 1500s, Luther breaks from the Catholic Church. 16th century, John Knox is influenced by Calvin and breaks from Luther, thus the Presbyterians. 17th century, John Smith then breaks away and starts the Baptist. 18th century, Wesley breaks and starts the Methodist. Even crazier are all the scores of non-denominational individuals who break from each other, generally due to cosmic ego and, quote, a new revelation. Well, here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Judges 21 says, quote, in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which is right in his own eyes. Secondly, physics. Once the dam breaks, water goes where it will. Luther broke canon law 331, which says about the Pope, by virtue of his office, he possesses supreme, full, immediate, and universal ordinary power in the church. And thirdly, my take. Gifted theologians can be just like my fourth grade friend who said, I'm taking my bat and ball and going home. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. So many concerning stories. Let's jump straight into them because there's about 10 dozen stories and we might get to maybe three, maybe four if we are, if we are efficient with our time, but we shall see. Uh, the first story here is something that I want to keep in the forefront of our mind because we need to be prepared for these kind of situations. We really do. We have to keep this in mind, and you might think, okay, well, what does it have to do with me? But this is something that might affect you and I, and it affects our children, especially uh, kids who go to college campuses, who live on college campuses. Now, this headline says, Matt Walsh cancels talk because of death threats to his family back at home. The Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire, he was going to go speak at a university in order to talk about uh, transgender ideology and these kind of topics. Uh, he's most known for his documentary, What is a Woman?, where he uh, exposes the transgender ideology for what it is. I highly recommend checking out that documentary. I've seen it, and it's definitely worth a watch. So here is what Matt Walsh posted to Twitter. He said, sadly, I have to postpone my speech at Washington and Lee University due to threats against my family and other serious security concerns in Nashville this week. I cannot leave my family and fly to another state. I hate to push this event off, but my wife and kids come first. I intend to continue my spring college tour as planned in the coming weeks. The event at Washington and Lee will be rescheduled as soon as possible. The threats to my family only make me more determined to fight this evil. I will not let any harm come to my children or my wife. And I will not let these psychopaths scare me into silence. Neither of those things will ever happen, I promise you. In case it wasn't clear, this has nothing to do with Washington and Lee University. The event was coming together well and everything was perfectly fine. May have been some protest planned, but nothing major. The potential danger is at home, which is why I need to be at home. This is very, very concerning because Matt Walsh has received a lot of death threats and he's never canceled an event because of them. So this tells me that this is a very credible death threat. I, my guess is, because the way these things work, if you have a death threat that you think is real, especially when you're a public figure like this, you alert the police. And the police will look into it and they will basically conclude whether or not this is a credible death threat or something that it will cause imminent lawless action. And if it does, they will advise uh, you to make proper uh, defenses to protect yourself. Now, whether that means stay home, whether that means to leave the area for a second. Obviously, he's not going to tell anybody what he's doing, but he is staying with his family because it, clearly this is a real incredible threat to his family. 
this is something that is real. This is something that is happening. This is something that is regular. We see this all the time. This is very, very concerning. And I think that we really need to keep our eyes on this story. Let's pray for Matt Walsh, pray for his family. But we, you cannot speak out heavily enough against this evil ideology because they are literally calling for death of these people. Do you know any conservatives, any Catholics, any Christians, Protestant or otherwise, who have called for the death of transgender individuals, people who identify as transgender or anybody the LGBTQI2SAPPA community? <laughs> have you met anybody who has done so? I haven't. I, I certainly have never called for the death of any of these people, yet we see them constantly because they label our speech as genociding them. Because you say you deny that transgenderism is a real ontological category, they will say you are genociding us, therefore we have the right to kill you. This is very concerning. Now, this other story is the reason why I think we might get kicked off of our social media. Uh, this story combined with the, the following story. Uh, breaking Katie Hobbs, press secretary, resigns in disgrace after posting threats of violence against, quote, transphobes on Twitter. Jocelyn Berry, press secretary for Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs, has resigned after posting a tweet advocating violence against those who oppose the radical trans agenda in response to what she calls transphobia. She tweeted a photo of a woman pointing two guns with the caption, us, when we see transphobes. This tweet came just one day after the trans school shooter killed six people at a Christian private school in Nashville. The Twitter policy explicitly prohibits violent threats, including threats of physical harm, torture, sexual assault, or any other form of violence. Earlier on the same day, Twitter locked several accounts, including the post-millennial senior editor Andy No. which if you're not following Andy No on Twitter, uh, if you have a Twitter, follow him because he does a great job of exposing these people. Um, Majoria Taylor Green and Branda Straka. These accounts were locked after reporting on the Trans Day of Vengeance, which Antifa and trans groups are organizing on April 1st for Washington, D.C. Which brings us to the story about the Trans Day of Vengeance. This is a very, very concerning story and something that we really need to keep an eye on. Despite three nine-year-olds being gunned down by transgender shooters at a private Christian school in Nashville, this is reported by the Daily Mail, Activists are still rallying the troops to protest for a trans day of vengeance, months after raising money for firearms training. Transgender shooter uh, opened fire on the, on the Covenant School in Nashville at 10.30 a.m. on Monday, killing Haley Scruggs, William Kinney, and Evelyn uh, and Dyke House during her ramp rampage at the school. But despite raising political tensions across the country, which saw a press secretary for Arizona, a Democrat governor, post a tweet about shooting transphobes. The Trans Radical Activist Network is pushing forward for their protest in D.C. This is a very concerning situation. In a statement, the group has taken pains to distance themselves from this person. So, okay, here is a, something that's very important. This is one of the posts that they made with the hashtag Trans Day of Vengeance. Kill Christians. Behead Christians. Roundhouse kick a Christian into the concrete. Slam dunk a Christian baby into the trash can. Crucify filthy Christians. Defecate in Christians' food. Launch Christians into the sun. Now, they don't actually say the word Christians. They say something much, much worse. And I will avoid using it just for the sake of not having uh, vulgarity. And they posted a picture of this trans individual. I think this is a man. I'm not 100% sure. And he's holding an AR-15, 
wearing a bulletproof vest with a sidearm with trans flags everywhere and pink hair. And you're thinking, wow, this person is literally threatening, making a public threat to kill Christians and calling for the death of Christians. This is a call to imminent lawless action, which is likely to produce, which is not protected by the First Amendment. This is something that the FBI should be rounding these people up. The people, they will arrest people. We, I have friends who were just present on January 6th. They weren't, they didn't break into anything. They didn't go anywhere. They weren't even on the right, the same side where the, the so-called riots were happening. And yet the FBI came knocking on their door. And yet, are we going to see these people get arrested? I don't think so. We shall see, but I don't think so. And they said, quote, vengeance does not imply peaceful protest. Organizing or support for peaceful, peaceful protest is okay. This is a very concerning situation. They said here their name was, and they mentioned the name of the, of the terrorist who shot up the school. They're a, quote, martyr against transphobia from hateful Christian bigots like you genociding us. We will defend ourselves from you. Where is your God now? Pray for mercy because we won't show any. This is very, very concerning. That's, and it has another picture of a trans individual here holding an AR-15. That's diabolical. That It's upside down. If we were just talking about this yesterday where the evil is good and good is evil, this is a perfect moment of, of in our history right now seeing this. When, when, we, when we are posting the, the poster of the sign that says Ven, uh, vengeance, Trans Vengeance Day, and then we get suspended for posting their, their propaganda, their advertising, you can see how the devil works. There, there this is, is evil in the world. It is very concerning, especially since they raised money to be able to uh, show, Shoot. To, to buy guns and to get training. So these people Correct. are serious. They're they're actually taking action. Yep. They're making action. Here's the here's what the the flyer said that they posted. Trans Day of Vengeance. Stop trans genocide. Trans Day of Vengeance. April first at 11 a.m. Assemble at SCOTUS. Wear a mask. Bring a buddy. This is very concerning. They're calling for things. They are encouraging it. They raise money for it. If you are in the D.C. area, I would be very wary. I'd be I keep my eyes open. Maybe not go into the D.C. area on that day. I also would not be surprised that this is being picked up privately in other cities. Uh, there's so much more in the story that we just don't have time to read. I highly recommend going to Daily Mail and reading this whole story in its entirety because it explains more. Here's the thing. There's a couple other stories that I wanted to get to. We just don't have time. Here's the thing. Vengeance is mine, so saith the Lord. Vengeance is mine, so saith the Lord. Our Lord is the one who uses justice who exercises justice. It is not us who exercise justice. This is why our Lord gave the command uh, that we, what it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I say, love your brother and pray for those who persecute you. This is because in a world without Christ, you have vengeance. In a world without Christ, if you feel slighted, you go after them. If they kill you, your brother, you take out their entire family. If they uh, kill one of your sheep, you wipe out their flock. This is the, the result of vengeance. This is why we need justice. This is why we need to have a justice system in place. And recognizing what we talked about a couple of days ago, people who are mentally ill should not be able to get guns. 
people who are severely mentally ill, especially in this way, should not be allowed to purchase firearms. We talk about gun control legislation. We talk about these kind of things all the time, and yet this is something that is a real, definite threat. And protect your family. If you think about what our Lord said. What did our Lord say? He said, he who does not have a sword, sell your cloak and go and buy one. So maybe today is the, the day to go buy a sword to protect your family. But remember what I said in the, in the last segment, uh, quoting Cornelius Alapide on the passage there. So even if we have the ability to protect ourselves, even if we have the ability to take care of this threat, morally we are taught by the example of our Lord the too humbly to avoid the anger of the proud, even when we have the power to resist them. So we, as Christians, should not uh, try to take up arms against them and start to kill these people. We should never do that, ever. Why? Because we're following the example of our Lord. Yes, 100% we should protect ourselves. So if you need to do whatever it is you need to do to protect you and your family, do so. But we should not, we should not go out looking for trouble. And so if you're in these areas or if you're in an area where, so just just look on social media, try to see what's going on in your area. Be aware that these threats are real and are happening in your area. We'll report on Monday to see if any of this actually ended up happening. So stay tuned. We'll definitely talk about it on Monday. But remember, avoid the anger of the proud. Because whenever there's vengeance, it's a very common trope. When there is vengeance, dig two graves. When you seek vengeance, Dig two graves. You're going to dig the grave of that person that you are going to commit vengeance against. And then you dig your own grave because you will likely die as well. So remember that today. Vengeance is mine, so say the Lord. Despite the fact that these people are evil and wicked men and women, I suppose, avoid the anger of the proud. Keep your head straight. Pray. Stay close to our Lord. Even we have the power to resist them. Avoid the anger of the proud. Go to confession, because at the end of the day, do not fear he who can take away the body, but instead he that can harm the soul, especially in Gehenna. So keep that in mind today. Go to confession. Stay in a state of grace, because death could come at any moment, and we will be happy in heaven. We'll be right back with more after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever thought, well, why can't a prayer at a Catholic Mass cause the Holy Spirit to come upon the bread and wine and thus turn it into the actual body and blood of Jesus? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, remember, three of the most magnificent miracles were a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone or something such as the Holy Spirit came upon the face of the deep and God created the world. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she brought forth Jesus in her womb. Secondly, a boatload of scriptural support, such as 1 Corinthians 10, 16, which says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And thirdly, my honest reflection, your transformation after a prayer for conversion was not and is not noticeable in the human eye. So then why do you reject a prayer which transforms bread and wine into Jesus' body and blood? I know the reason, just a whole bunch of people have told you that. Catholic Radio gives us something all day, every day, to fill our lives with our faith. We are completely inundated by the world constantly. Every time you go out shopping, the music that's playing, the the visuals that you see, TV, everything, we need Catholicism filling our minds 
the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Thursday, March 30th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. And these are your headlines this morning. May God bless you all. Catholic News Agency reports uh, from the police department, a shooter at the Nashville Christian School was a former student who had a, quote, manifesto. Police confirmed the shooter was uh, a, a name I will not repeat here, who was a biological female who identified as transgender and had previously attended the Covenant School as a child. Regarding the manifesto, the police chief said there was quite a bit of writing to it, but only confirmed that there was a map of the school and a drawing of how potentially she would enter. He said the manifesto contained writings about other locations, but that he has not read the whole entire manifesto and that police and the Federal Bureau of Investigation are still working on it. Our Sunday Visitor reports imprisoned Nicaraguan Bishop Rolando Alvarez has appeared in a staged TV interview. The Bishop of Matagalpa was recently sentenced to 26 years in prison for his public criticism of the Ortega regime. The sentence of the bishop was announced the day after Nicaragua allowed 222 political prisoners to fly to exile to the U.S. The bishop refused to board the plane, choosing to remain in Nicaragua with his people, where he was subsequently imprisoned. And finally, Catholic News reports Pope Francis has expressed his sorrow over a shooting at a private Presbyterian Christian school in Nashville. A person took the lives of three nine-year-old students and three adult staff members at Covenant School before being shot in a gunfight with the Nashville police. Pope Francis was quoted as saying, he's deeply sanded saddened to learn of the recent shootings and at, at the Covenant School in Nashville, His Holiness Pope Francis asks you to convey his heartfelt condolences and the assurance of his prayers to all affected by this senseless act of violence, the Pope's message said yesterday. And I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And joining us in just a moment will be Father Thomas Crean with the Dominican Friars of the province of England. Hopefully he'll be hopping on with us in just a minute. Uh, but before I forget, because I completely forgot yesterday and I completely forgot this morning. It's just so many things going on. The, my sister's, my older sister's birthday was in fact yesterday. So happy birthday to my older sister, Bethany. Uh, say a prayer for her today, if you would. Yesterday was her birthday, so I am uh, very grateful for my older sister. She has been uh, a huge blessing on my life uh, many times, and uh, many, especially when we were kids. She protected me one time uh, as a quite a quite a young young child. I remember uh, a situation where the uh, a pit bull, or or at least I remember it being a pit bull. It may have been a a different kind of dog, but a dog attacked me. And my sister stood in front of me and just, like, punched the dog in the face, and the dog ran away. Uh, so the, me and my sister have always, uh, we fought, we love each other, We've uh, she's protected me, and there's been a lot of situations like that. Uh, and it's been great. I love my sister. She's great. So pray for her. Offer a rosary for her in your charity, if you would, uh, especially on this, her birthday. But, yeah, I just wanted to make, give that shout-out because I completely forgot at the top of the show, and I forgot to do so yesterday 
we had a little birthday party for her yesterday after uh, late late last evening. Uh, so that was a, a late night. But it was good. So praise be to God. And also, coincidentally, if there are any uh, good young Catholic men interested in a young Catholic lady, let me know. Maybe I can set you up with this uh, great young Catholic lady I know. Just hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Just saying. Send applications to my email. Anyway. Uh, if a uh, follower won't, is not going to be able to join us today, then we will hop on with a uh, with the story that I wanted to cover in the last segment, but just did not have time because this actually really is a real situation. There are two stories here, um, one about Kentucky, but I'll save that for a second. Uh, I want to start here. Did you hear about the financial situation with China and Brazil? I'm guessing no. There are so many stories going on in the world that, um, you know, you have to keep your eyes open because oftentimes these stories will be kind of forgotten due to the fact that there are just so many things going on that you just don't have time to see them all, especially with the school shooting that happened and all of the, the backlash. These uh, It's a more imminent threat and a more serious thing. But this story is something that we all need to keep our eyes on because... This can cause great problems for America and for us in our daily lives. Uh, the headline says, China-Brazil strike deal to ditch dollar for trade. Now, right off the bat, that should be a rather scary idea. It goes on here. Let me see. Uh, who, who is the people? The, it's straightstimes.com is, is where it's reported at. It says here, China and Brazil have reached a deal to trade in their own currencies, ditching the United States dollar as an intermediary, the Brazilian, the Brazilian government said on Wednesday. The deal, Beijing's latest salvo against the almighty greenback, will enable China, the top rival to the U.S. economic hegemony, and Brazil, the biggest economy in Latin America, to conduct their massive trade and financial transactions directly exchanging yen for reyes and vice versa instead of going through the U.S. dollar. The expectation is that this will reduce cost, promote even greater bilateral trade, and facilitate investment. The Brazilian Trade and Investment Promotion Agency said in a statement, China is Brazil's biggest trading partner with a record $150.5 billion in bilateral trade last year. The deal which follows a preliminary agreement in January, was announced after a high-level China-Brazil business forum in Beijing. Brazilian President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva was originally scheduled to attend the forum as a part of a high-profile China visit, but had to be postponed his trip indefinitely on Sunday after he came down with pneumonia. Now, you have to remember that, the, that Lula is in fact a at the very least socially socialist sympathetic um, but many have reported that he is in fact a communist and it's not surprising that he's going to be working with communist china in order to try to uh, help crush america not surprising at all it goes on the industrial and commercial bank of china the bank of communications bbm will execute the transactions official says China has similar currency deals with Russia, Pakistan, and several other countries. Okay, this is a real and a very serious situation that we find ourselves in. Because if this happens, it'll destroy the U.S. dollar. 
Because right now, most every single country in the world, if they want to trade internationally, they typically exchange for U.S. dollar, and then they trade with the U.S. dollar. This is because U.S. is the is the petroleum reserve, and we have a uh, U.S. petrol as the kind of a uh, hegemony of our of our money. But if people just stop using the U.S. dollar, remember, the U.S. dollar is not real. The U.S. dollar is based on fiat. It's worth what it is because the government says it's worth what it does. So if other people stop playing the game, if other people start saying, mm, "Nah, I'm not going to accept that. Not using it. I'm going to use something else." This will hurt the American economy. In fact, it could be detrimental if every single country starts doing this. In fact, and this is why it's such a grave evil that we get off the gold standard. In fact, it's no different than monopoly money. I remember when we were kids, speaking to my little sister, my little sister to to get us to behave and to play games with her. She would collect uh, candies and things like that. And she would give us uh, bucks. She made fake money. That she would give to us if we were good or we, we'd do school with her, play, play school with her, things like that. And if we got enough money, she would give us little candies and things like that. And so that had real monetary value because it was backed by candy, right? And we could trade it in for, for candy. But if everybody just stopped wanting to use it, it's no longer worth anything. But it's worth something in that moment because it, it's tied into something that you want. This is saying This is also true on the grand scale with our money. If everybody starts using it, this becomes a real and serious issue with what we are trying to do in America. Now, I mean, I've talked to some people and they were like, yeah, this is bad, but I'm kind of glad it's happening because I want America to collapse. Yeah, that's not a good attitude. <laughs> if everything collapsed, we're not going to have food. We're not going to be able to have uh, we're not going to pay for our utilities. Um, everything's going to just be much, much more expensive. We think we have inflation now if a different country start calling to fulfill our debts, well, that would be a very real and a very serious situation. So we're definitely going to have to get a some kind of a banking expert and a financial expert on the show to talk about this. I, I have a couple people in mind, but we shall see. I have the This situation is definitely to keep your eye on and watch as it develops because more and more uh, the financial situation in, in America with the banking crisis with all these things happening, we really got to keep our eye on it because at any moment it can collapse. Uh, what's the solution here? I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. If you have ideas and you're watching on our social media feeds, leave me a comment giving me your ideas. My thoughts are, I think, buying things that have real value. Obviously, people will say gold and silver. I honestly am not sure how gold and silver works in a collapse of society. Because uh, gold and silver doesn't actually have value either. It has more value than the U.S. dollar. But at the end of the day, if you're hungry and you need food, I think I'd rather have food than gold. So maybe buy chickens. Maybe buy tools. Maybe buy things that people actually want. uh, Especially in a situation where we have a collapse of our money system. Uh, Hopefully this doesn't happen. But definitely something to keep our eyes on. If uh, Thomas joins us, we'll talk to him in the next segment. But if not, we're going to go and talk about the insurrection in Kentucky. We'll be right back. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. The book of Esther does not mention the words God, Lord, sin, Savior, salvation, heaven, or hell. Are you sure it's supposed to be in the Bible? Martin Luther said no. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a promise. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would guide the apostles into all truth. Those early church fathers, popes, bishops, synods, and councils were all under the influence of the Holy Spirit as they discerned which writing should or should not be in the Bible, and Esther was included. Secondly, for a writing to be understood as divinely inspired and worthy of canonicity, it was not a necessity to contain any theological explanations. And thirdly, a tough comeback. Oftentimes we deceive ourselves by wanting to trust that very contemporary and subjective term called the inner witness. Our own arrogance can blind us. The feeling of, quote, an inner witness is as dangerous as standing at the edge of a windy, jagged cliff. So on a religious feeling, don't just immediately buy into passionate testimonies, new truths, or prophetic texts. That four-letter word feel will get you every time. Hey, Donnie, what does the catechism say that the purpose of life is? To know, love, and serve God to be happy in the next. That's right. So we can be happy with Him in the next life. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, there are so many stories out there that are just wicked, very evil stories. Uh, I want to start with this. I want to talk about the Kentucky uh, insurrection. But first, before we get to that, I want to talk about this story here. Here in Deutschland, in Deutschland, if you are familiar with the Dutch, the Dutch television show they have a show and i just i'm trying to i'm struggling to try to talk about this because it's so gross uh, but i feel like it needs to be said because what's popular in the west somewhere will become popular in the west everywhere especially when it comes to these evil situations a dutch television show has quote naked bodies on stage to show children how normal it is to be trans the normalization continues this is really concerning. The show is called Simply Naked. Now, this is very disgusting. It's in Simply Naked, so I'm going to read to you the what this person is saying here because uh, I, sh- I just can't show it to you. Like, I literally cannot show it to you. We get censored. It's it's disgusting. Uh, luckily, there is uh, blur marks, but it, I mean, you can you could still. I mean, it's just very gross. I don't even. It's very gross. In Simply Naked, adults get undressed so that we can learn something about it. These kids, listen to this, these kids, 10 to 12 years old, get the opportunity to ask them questions about their naked bodies. There are kids from 10 to 12 sitting in the audience watching. They said, today, our guests are transgenders. It's about feeling what you have about your gender. Yes. And that feeling can simply be a feeling, but you can also do something about it. For example, I had surgery, says this woman who appears to be a man. For example, I had surgery, but you can also be transgender and not go undergo any surgeries. This is what he is, she is telling these children. It says here, oh, I can't even read this. This is so vulgar. I, I'm skipping ahead. I can't read that. The talks about surgery. So then they interview the child and the child is asked, okay, at first... Uh, so it's, the child is asked, well, so what did you think? And he says, at first you think, huh? 
And I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what you would think. And he, then she says, but later you realize that it's actually pretty normal. And then the boy says, it's actually really normal. This is very concerning. They're indoctrinating and brainwashing children. So it's not just male and female, they say in the show. The, there's an entire spectrum of genders besides male and female. Very concerning that they're telling the kids. And it says, how do you feel after you had surgery? So now they're telling the kids. So this, this woman who chopped her breast off said, do you know the word euphoric? The kids respond, no. She says, euphoric means really happy. Extremely happy. I woke up and I knew that my breasts were gone. That I looked, that it looked like I had always wanted it to look. Very concerning. I said, it finally matched the way I feel inside, and that made me feel ecstatic. And the kid says, so it feels a bit like flying? And this woman says, yes. As if they know what it's like to feel like you're flying. It said, you simply feel an intense happiness. Then the kid said, quote, I want that too. That's perverse. Very perverse. They are indoctrinating the children. They are driving them to this ideology. I, this is something that we have to keep protect our children from. So it just cannot be said enough that these people are evil. They can't have their own kids because they sterilize themselves, and so they're trying to steal yours. This is very concerning. We need to be aware of it. We need to protect our children. Take them off of social media. Take them off. Destroy their cell phones. Don't let them have access to the internet. Homeschool them if you can. This is so wicked and evil, and they hate the good. They hate. They hate the truth. This is this is the situation where the uh, <laughs> this is the situation where we our Lord talked about. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. This is that situation. It's literally people calling good evil and evil good. It's so absurd. It's something that you would think this is not possible. We live in a in a society that the uh, the insane asylum, the insane asylum inmates run the asylum. It's it's crazy. It's literally crazy. So this is something that we all need to keep our eyes on and be watching because these shows, first of all, it's on the internet, so anybody can access it. And second, if you think those shows are going to stay in in Dutchland. It's not. It's going to come here to the U.S. And if it's not already here in the U.S., and even if it's not, like I said, the Internet is international. And forever. And forever. And so your kids may be able to access it. This is very, very concerning that we need to keep our eyes on. Let's transition over here to this story. The story here goes that the in Kentucky, you remember the January 6th riots? Yeah. You remember the guy... With the horn hat, and you remember the guy with the face paint. Well, it's kind of in a kind of a similar way, kind of funny. Uh, play the video, Tito, if you would. This video of this man tr- protesting this trans, uh, this anti-trans bill, as they're calling it, in Kentucky. A very concerning situation. Uh, play it whenever you're ready, Tito. Here we go. So if you're watching, if you're not if you're not able to watch, you see this guy in makeup with a devil horns on and people holding up signs override veto. 
And this is very concerning. Could you also play the the other video that was played there at the, the same event? Uh, just whenever you're ready to start playing it, Tito. But the this is, is this is what they're doing right now. They are playing these videos. They are going to they're occupying the um, the courthouse and they are doing things that we saw people in January 6th doing and they called them insurrectionists. They called them rioters. And yet we see the same thing happening here. They're occupying the uh, city hall. And this is very concerning. Uh, feel free to play it, Tito. Yeah, so you can see the people there inside the courthouse protesting this bill that protects children. And so when they say protect trans lives, they mean protect the situation of making trans, uh, of trying to trans the kids. That's what they mean by protecting trans rights. So we see it in every single corner of our lives, every single corner of every situation. We see this over and over and over again, that they are coming after our children. They're coming after the situations, and it is very concerning. So I just think that we need to keep our eyes open. We need to be watching it. Uh, someone asked, are they screaming sin, sin? They're, they're screaming shame, shame. And you might notice, we talked a couple weeks ago about the, the idea of shame. And that uh, we really need to recognize that shame is a good thing when, when we shame the right things. Because things that are shameful, things that we should be shamed about, should be shamed. Because what is shame? Shame is a recognition that something is bad. It's a recognition that something is wrong. It's a, our conscience gnawing at our soul. But these perverse people these mentally ill people, they want us to be shamed for what? They want us to be shamed for the good. Because we love what is good, they want to shame that. And I think that's something that we have to keep an eye on because that's what they're shouting. They, and this is what they do. How many times, have you ever felt, been in a situation where you were like, I don't, I don't want to say anything about, about gay people or LGBT ideology because people are going to think I'm a bad person. That happens all the time. That even happens to me. And I, and I have a kind of a situation where I'm trying to steel myself against this position. But sometimes I'm in a situation. I'm like, you catch oh, yourself. I don't want to say anything because, yeah, because you catch yourself because you're like, I don't want to get I don't want people to think that I'm bad. I don't want the people to think I'm mean. And so they try to shame you into thinking that these things are uh, that evil is good and good is evil. Uh, that's something that we need to keep our eyes on and something that we have to know because it's it's very bad. It's a very bad situation. But joining us right now, so transitioning, uh, com- doing a complete 180, but joining us right now is Father Thomas Crean. He is a uh, Dominican friar of the English province at Holy Cross Priory in Leicester. Uh, Father Crean is known for his extensive work in theology and philosophy, having received his Doctrine in Theology from the International Theological Institute in Austria. Uh, Among many books and articles, and to the point of what we're talking about today, he is the author of the Commentaries on the Gospel of Mark and Luke. He's also translated, Christianity is Credible by Father Louis Marie of the Fraternity of St. Vincent Ferrer. Uh, Good morning to you, Father Thomas. Good morning. To speak to you again. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, Father, uh, we're we're about to be concluding the our hour. If you could, we could stay over to the next segment, uh, if you would be able to do that. But let's start here. 
Who is Father Luis Marie in the Fraternity of St. Vincent Ferrer? I think most people probably are not familiar with that group and this priest. Yes, uh, so he is the founder and current superior of a religious community in France. Uh, so his full name is Father Louis-Marie de Belignere. Um, so it's a, um, a group called the Fraternity of St. Vincent Ferrer that models its, its way of life very much on the Dominican order, the order of preachers, though it is uh, a canonically a separate group. And so uh, he wrote this book in French and while I was making an extended stay there a couple of years ago, I uh, helped pay for my upkeep by translating it into English. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. And this book, I was reading it, and it's, it's very interesting because it's a basic apologetic work, kind of like, it kind of reminded me of a Catholic version of Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Uh, what was the reason why Father did thought that it was necessary to have a book like this? Well, as he mentions in the introduction, the whole art or science of what we call apologetics, so giving the rational reasons for faith, has rather fallen into, in some ways, into discredit um, in recent years. Um, it's often been seen as, uh, as a sort of unhealthy way of trying to force, either force your faith, faith on someone else or to uh, generate faith by reason alone. Um, but that's quite a misunderstanding of what apologetics is. What apologetics is, is getting someone to the state when they can rationally ask for the grace of God to believe. So it's giving them the reasons to believe. But it's not claiming to take the place of, of grace itself. Uh, and it's very important for Christianity that there should be reasons to believe. And that's what uh, St. Peter himself says, always be ready to give a reason Amen, Father Thomas. Uh, we're going to pick this conversation up on the other side of this break. If you can stay on with us, Father Thomas, uh, we'll talk cool. about this and the commentaries on Mark and Luke when we come back. But if not, if you can't join us on the other side, uh, that's going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. If you can't join us right now, then you can join us tomorrow at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern across the GRN. But if you can stay with us, we're going to have more conversation with Father Thomas after this quick break. We'll be right back. God love you. I turned from a recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family, almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. I love it. My heart's there. I took communion after 18 years, and I, the rest of the Mass I sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my family. God restored my love. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Who are the ten most well-known preachers in America? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Here's the list. Copeland, Osteen, Benny Hinn, Joyce Myers, T.D. Jakes, Stephen Furtick, Andy Stanley, Robert Jeffers, Rick Warren, Alistair Begg, John MacArthur. Well, secondly, all these pastors say the same thing on Sunday morning, which is, turn with me in your Bible. Well, then how's the harmony regarding, say, eternal security, disagreement, present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit, 
spirit. Disagreement. Relationship of baptism to salvation. Disagreement. Church government. Disagreement. Life beginning at conception until natural death. Disagreement. And eschatology. Disagreement. So what's going on here? Well, if you are someone who says, all I need is the word of God, brother, because the Bible is going to give me everything I need to live out the Jesus life. Okay. Hope you've already ditched your favorite blogger, your favorite preacher, your favorite podcaster, and most of all, your religious Google searches. Well, speaking of Google searches, I do request one last Google search for you. Magisterium. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologist. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Your 24-hour-a-day source of Catholic inspiration. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Father Nicholas Devine from Holy Name Passionist Retreat Center. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. You know, on the other side of the break, we were talking about this work of apologetics. It's called Christianity is Credible by Father Louis Marie of the Fraternity of St. Vincent Ferrer. It's very interesting to me. It's kind of like, it reminds me very much of mere Christianity, but it's it's much shorter. It's Catholic. And, you know, I was going through, and it starts off with the historicity and the reliability of the Gospels, which I thought was excellently done and very short, concise, because, you know, many times I've done research into the historicity and the reliability of the Gospel, and the books are like that thick. They're like 150, 200, 500 pages long talking about these topics and it can get very dense, but Father does a great job of breaking it down in a very clear and concise way, so that way you can defend the reliability of the gospel, especially in this age of atheism, which, Father Thomas, I, I know that you uh, wrote a book against the new atheist. Uh, do you think that this particular apologetic work is necessary today, especially with uh, the rise of, uh, I guess nowadays, the new atheism is, has kind of fallen down a little bit, but what are your thoughts on that? Yes, yeah, so I think apologetics is always a, a timely work of the church. And I think it's particularly important today when people are just so ignorant very much, uh, very often of the evidence for Christianity. They're, they're ignorant of, of what's in the gospel, of, of why uh, Christians uh, have good reasons to believe what's in the gospel. Um, they perhaps think of Christianity as just a sort of uh, emotional or irrational choice that some people make. And so with this uh, great growth in religious ignorance, I think apologetics is a, is a very important mission of the church. You know, and after you can convince someone the Gospels are, in fact, reliable, I think the next step is to tell people, well, pick up the Bible and read it, read the Gospels. And so you actually made it not a translation, but instead your own commentary on uh, Mark and Luke. 
But you started with Luke, then you went to Mark, and I'm kind of uh, curious as to why you decided to go Luke and then Mark, and do you plan on making a John then Matthew? Or Mm -hmm. I said to you, you would have thought people would go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So tell me about that first. Uh, Yes, it's a good question. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what the right answer is. I wonder if I was uh, subconsciously influenced by my great patron, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, who wrote uh, commentaries on on Matthew and John, but not on Luke and Mark. If so, it was a bit presumptuous of me uh, to, <laughs> to think of writing the other two. But uh, in any case, I think I was moved to uh, choose St. Luke, first of all, because of the parables that are in St. Luke, um, where I think there are often parables, the depths of which are, are not very well understood today. Uh, such as a parable of the unjust steward or the parable of the Good Samaritan. So they say the parable of the Good Samaritan might be seen as a um, an exhortation to be kind to those in need or something. And of course it is that, but it's very much more than that as well. Uh, and I also wanted to highlight the place of, of the Blessed Virgin Mary um, in the Gospels. And St. Luke is, is the, uh, the evangelist who um, gives the largest place to her. Yes, for, for sure. And you know... When I was reading your your commentary, the thing that struck me first was it was at the very, very beginning of the introduction when you mentioned how you were a lot of the um, commentary that you received came from Cornelius Alapidae, who I am just a complete devotee. I read Cornelius Alapidae every single morning. And I was surprised because so few people, even among scholars, have even heard of Cornelius Alapidae. So tell me about who this is and why you decided to include his uh, ideas in your commentary. Yes, so Cornelius Alapidae was a a Jesuit. Uh, He lived around the turn of the 17th century, so late 1500s, early 1600s. And he was just an extraordinary polymath um, and polyglot in the sense that he he knew the biblical languages, uh, Hebrew and Greek, and he himself wrote in Latin. Uh, and he knew the tradition of exegesis incredibly well. So he'd read all the fathers of the church. He'd read the, the medieval scholastics, his own contemporary theologians, and he'd even read the rabbis. Uh, and he seemed to have remembered everything that he had read. So he's an, a, a wonderful resource to draw on. Uh, a lot of his work has not been translated from Latin. Uh, some of the, the New Testament has been. Uh, I don't, don't know that any of the Old Testament has been. So that would certainly be a worthwhile project for someone with a, a lot of time because he writes in, in <laughs> great detail. Yes, for sure. I, I've been I've been praying that someone would translate uh, some of, more of his works because I, I'm only able to read the Gospels and then a couple of the letters. I would love to read his commentary on, on the Old Testament and maybe even some of the other, the rest of the New Testament, but I'm grateful that I have at least the, the Gospels. Uh, Father, the coming up, we're going into Holy Week and the Monday and Tuesday of Holy Week, coincidentally, happened to be read the, the Passion Narrative from Mark and Luke. So tell me about the, the Passion Narratives of Mark and Luke. Many people will say that the Gospels contradict each other in the Passion Narratives and that these things uh, cannot be reconciled. So what about the Passion Narrative in Mark and Luke? The, what can we glean from that? Oh, well, that's a, a very big question. Um, Mark... Uh, interestingly, he doesn't have many uh, details that are are peculiar to him. Uh, it's one of the places in his gospel where 
uh, is very close to St. Matthew's account. Um, it seems to me that uh, one of um, St. Mark's uh, salient features is to give us a lot of information about about St. Peter, because the tradition, of course, is that St. Mark's Gospel just is the record of St. Peter's preaching in Rome. And then after St. Mark had written down the preaching of St. Peter, uh, he showed it to St. Peter and St. Peter said, yes, that's that's all good. Uh, you can go ahead and spread that. Um, and I think we can see that lots of small indications of that if we read Matthew, uh, St. Mark's Gospel with that in mind. Um, so, for example, the denial of our Lord by St. Peter is told in greater detail in St. Mark's Gospel than in any of the others. Uh, and I think that's probably ref probably reflects uh, St. Peter uh, in his humility uh, uh, going through that uh, episode in, in particular detail in his own preaching about the Passion. Uh, St. Luke's account of the Passion, well, of course, there are some distinctive features in that. Some of the words of our Lord from the cross um, are only recorded in, in St. Luke. Um, such as Father, forgive them, they, they know not what they do, uh, and into your hands I commend my spirit. Um, I would think that probably, we can only speculate, but I think that would quite pro probably reflect St. Luke's conversations with the Blessed Virgin Mary. One presumes that he'd, he'd spoken to her, and that's how he was able to give such a detailed account, not just of the uh, the events of the passion, uh, of, the, of the birth, but also of Our Lady's emotions. So, for example, that she was uh, greatly disturbed when she was greeted by the angel in such a reverent way. Uh, little detail suggests that um, uh, Mary herself must have uh, told St. Luke um, what he wrote in that, in that place. So I think her position at the foot of the cross would explain why St. Luke has some um, details about Christ's passion uh, and Christ's words from the cross that are not found elsewhere. Now, speaking of things that are not found elsewhere, you had mentioned that some of the parables uh, are things that people kind of get a little confused about many times, and which makes sense because, you know, the parables are a little bit obscured. Uh, so what can you tell us about, maybe just want to pick one parable and tell us a little bit about it, What maybe one that's particularly uh, misused or not understood in the in most uh, Catholic Bible studies or or commentaries or just in in just average speech and preaching. Yes, well, well, one that's famously obscure is the parable of the the unjust steward. Uh, you, you remember the parable? The, the stewards found to be fiddling the the accounts uh, and embezzling his master's money, and so he's he's thrown out of his stewardship. But before he does that, before he gets completely thrown out, he he uses his remaining time to uh, insinuate himself into the the good graces of some of his master's clients. Uh, and lots of people are baffled by that. And if you read Cornelius Elapide, or if you read St. Thomas's uh, summary of the fathers of the church, I don't, I don't find that you get a very clear explanation of what it's about. Um, unusually, normally those two sources uh, would uh, explain things very well. Um, but I found a good explanation of this in a in a fourth century father of the church um, uh, called St. Gaudentius. Someone had, had written to him essentially saying, what on earth is this parable about? Uh, and St. Gaudentius is a very interesting and I think profound um, interpretation, which he sees the, the steward as being the devil uh, who is uh, 
cast out of his um, his power, the power that he has over his master's estate, so God being the master and the estate being earth and humankind, uh, cast out of it uh, and realises uh, at the redemption that his time is very short and he's going to be uh, condemned to hell. Uh, and he uses what remaining time he has uh, to uh, insinuate himself into the favour of those whom he tempts. Uh, and so St. Gaudentius sees the reference to um, reducing the amount of wheat that the clients have to pay uh, as being uh, a symbol for heresy, uh, because wheat in, in the Bible, in, especially in the Gospels, um, wheat and bread are symbols for the word of God. Fascinating. So, uh, cutting down the wheat ration is a, a symbol for uh, chopping bits out of the, the word of God in order to make uh, making it more acceptable to people who find certain parts of the word of God hard to hard to swallow. Uh, to pardon the pun. Uh, <laughs> so that's uh, one parable that I think is is very uh, hard to understand, which is uh, illuminated uh, very well by this author. And I try to go into a bit more detail and ex fill in some of the details that St. Garencius uh, left um, unexplained. Well, I definitely recommend people to, to go and purchase his book because it is actually a really short commentary, but an excellent commentary, and it would be a great way for people to be able to actually pick up the gospel and read it. I know many people try to read the gospels, and then they put it down because they're just like, I don't I don't get it. And I think your commentary, because I've, I've have seen commentaries that are just like Cornelius Lopez, for instance, and it's just massive tomes, and you're like daunting to get through. It's like reading the entirety of the Bible just by reading <laughs> one gospel, and uh, it becomes very difficult, whereas yours I found to be very easy to read, straightforward, and very insightful. So I recommend it. Do you plan on writing ones for Matthew and John as well, or are you It's like, ah, I'm kind of done? Uh, well, I, I really wrote them in my spare time, as it were. Um, then, even though they're drawing on a sort of reading I've done over the years, they're not meant to be scholarly works. As you, as you say, they're not meant to be heavy scholarly works. They're sort of offered as, as a spiritual reading to, to whoever's interested. Uh, and I wrote them also for my own uh, my own um, instruction. So whenever I have what they're primarily doing are trying to answer the questions that come to my mind when I read the Gospels. And I ask myself, why, why does our Lord put things in, in precisely this way? Um, why, what's the connection between these two parts of what he's saying um, that might seem to have no connection? Uh, uh, and I think if you, if you begin by the premise that everything that's in the Gospels is not just uh, inspired, but that the very order in which it occurs is inspired and nothing is just put together in a jumble or a patchwork, then um, then that's a very fruitful way. So yeah, I hope to have the time to to put down reflections on on the other two Gospels as well, whether they'll be fully fledged books or just notes for my own, own reading. I don't don't yet know. But okay, I, I hope well, to, I would be looking to forward to it. Part because, of being a Dominican uh... is to to try to communicate things to other people. Amen. I would love to I would love to hear your commentaries on on John especially. I just love John chapter 1 and so I'd love to see the commentary on that. But that's going to do it Father Thomas. Uh, where can people find these books at? Uh, all good bookstores. Uh, Aruka Press 
A-R-O-U-C-A. Aruka Press. Go to arukapress.com. Thank you, Father Thomas. Can you leave us with your blessing? God bless you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you very much, Father Thomas Crean. That's going to do it for this segment. We're going into our game show, Fear and Trembling. You can dial 877-757-9424. We'll be right back with Fear and Trembling after this. Uh, first off, I'd just like to say um, I did uh, five years in prison in Texas, and thanks to the Guadalupe Radio Network down there and your ministry, there is a lot of us getting back on track. And especially a big thank you to all your donors who donate to the network and uh, it really helps a lot of us felons find the way and find that the, the catholic truth and get back on track so really thank you for that the guadalupe radio network radio for your soul this is dale alquist with a chesterton minute have you ever heard someone say i accept some of the things the church teaches but I could never embrace the entire creed because there are some things in it that I just don't have any use for. G.K. Chesterton says, you might as well say that there's a great many things in the Encyclopedia Britannica that you don't have any use for. The church, like the Encyclopedia, is meant for everybody and not just for you. It is meant for everybody, which just happens to include you. The Catholic Church is a combination of things that are nevertheless one thing. We cannot accept only part of it without rejecting all of it. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at www.chesterton.org. Hey Donnie, what are the four Gospels in the New Testament? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And who baptized Jesus? St. John the Baptist. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's number to call to be in our game show, Fear and Trembling. 877-757-9424. You can hop on and be our contestant. We always take the first caller, 877-757-9424. And if you want to be a contestant on the Fear and Trembling Game Show, where we give out prizes, and it's very simple to win. Let me tell you how the game works. Uh, wait, let me give you the good number one more time. 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four. That's the number. If you dial it right now, you can be on our game show. But let me tell you, the game works. The game works like this: we ask three Catholic trivia questions, and I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to ask Tito the questions, and these questions are he's going to give me an answer. It's either going to be a right answer or it's going to be a wrong answer, and you're going to have 15 seconds to tell me whether or not Tito is right or is he wrong. Which means to me that 
you get a 50-50 chance of getting it right. Even if you don't know anything about the question, if you just guess, you have a 50-50 chance in each question. So those are pretty darn good odds of getting at least one answer right. So I think you should definitely keep that number down, 877-757-9424. Write that number down and be able to get on on the game show because tomorrow is going to be the last day of the game show of the week. And we give out the prize tomorrow after the game show. So make sure you have that number written down because you could be the contestant for the game show tomorrow if you're the first caller. 877-757-9424. Write that number down, and on tomorrow, you can call in early, as early as 7 a.m. Central. If you hop on at that time, you can wait on hold, and we can introduce you as the first caller. So the way it works is for every right answer you get correct, we get your name in a coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Uh, Tito, what could they win? Thank you for asking, Adrian. The, game, the prize for the Fear and Trembling game for this week is a large-sized rosary shimmering with beautiful Austrian crystals, glasswork beads, and oxidized silver from SanctumForum.com. That's SanctumForum.com, which is a family-owned small business that makes rosaries and other religious jewelry. Thank you very much to SanctumForum.com. I appreciate uh, the large size rosary from sanctumforum.com. Check them out, sanctumforum.com. I mean, I love rosaries. I was very pleased everybody in our uh, private Telegram chat did the the great honor of sending us uh, pictures of their their rosaries. And I gotta say, uh, the CDT uh, the CDT insiders have the best of all the rosaries. I was looking. I was like, man. I just like can I can I have all those like can I just can I just have them because they have some mighty nice uh, rosaries there. Uh, but joining us right now is Andrea. Good morning to you, Andrea. Oh hi, it's Andre. Oh, Andre, my mistake, my mistake. It's right there, written down. And I read that completely wrong. Andre, good morning to you. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Andre. Andre, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Dallas. From Dallas, Texas. Praise be to God. In Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, where do you go to church? I go to St. Joseph's in Richardson. St. Joseph's in Richardson. Well, praise be to God, Andre. Uh, Andre, where are you off to this morning? I'm dropping my son off to school. He goes to the Cistercian Preparatory School in Irving. Oh, very neat. The Cister- I love the Cistercians. The Cistercians are awesome, and they have really cool habits, i got to say. Um, but That's true. That's pretty awesome. I, you know, people say you should never... I judge a book by the cover, but to be honest, I definitely judge religious orders on how cool their habits are. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. But, uh, Andre, how is your Lent going? It's going all right. Um, I'm taking part in Lent 40, uh, so an offshoot of the Exodus 90 program. Um, it is it's definitely a challenge, but it's a good one. Do you all have to do the, the cold showers for the for this version of it? Actually, for this version, you do not have to do the cold showers. Uh, oh, which, so, so don't judge me by my Lenten sacrifice. Here, but, uh, that's, that's been a blessing to not have to do. Yes, I, I did. I did Exodus ninety twice, and oh, wow. the if I was told that I could do a forty day version with no cold showers, I would have signed up. 
because uh, I'm like, I am not doing this anymore. I hate the cold showers <laughs> so much. I'm not going to sign up. No more Exodus 90 for me. Uh, it's just way, it's, the cold showers are, are rough, especially when you're trying to do it uh, at night before bed. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I just, and now I'm wide awake and I'm, I can't sleep. So praise be to God, though. It is a, it's good suffering. So great for if you, if you want some good suffering, go uh, give up your, your cold, your warm showers. But uh, you're familiar with how the game works, Andre? I think so. Uh, you're going to tell me an answer and then I can see if it's right or not. That is, is that correct. Right? I'm going to ask Tito three questions. He's going to give you an answer, and it's your job to determine whether or not he's right or wrong. All right. Awesome. You ready to play? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Let's do it. The first question, Tito. The question on the board. So remember, this is Catholic trivia. The question on the board is, who founded Scientology? Who founded Scientology? Wow. Uh, well, it's not John Travolta or Tom Cruise. It has to true, be true. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, a science fiction writer of all people. Ron Hubbard. Is that the same guy who made the, uh, is it the, the Hubbard telescope? Nope, nope, nope. He's the one that wrote the Dianetics. Oh, okay. Here, with the oh, that, exploding volcano. That's the Hubble telescope is what yes. you're saying. Oh, okay. okay. I, I, get, I get confused. I get confused. So do I. Okay. Well, Andre, the question on the board. Who founded Scientology? Tito seems to think that it's Ron Hubbard, which should not be confused with, with Hubble, the Hubble telescope. Uh, but is he right? Is he wrong? 15 seconds of the clock. Andre, what say you? Tito is correct. Tito is correct. Nice. Praise be to God, Andre. Did you you said that wow. so confidently? Did you did you know that already? I did know that, but I was I I did not know. Okay, so it's Catholic trivia. Was he Catholic? I guess not. I no. don't. That's why I, that's why I prefaced. I was like, this is Catholic trivia. I wonder why this is in the Catholic trivia question, uh, considering he's Scientology founder. Maybe he was a founder. Maybe he was Catholic. I don't know. I have to look into that because I'm like, hmm. I wonder why he was a. Uh, Included in a Catholic trivia set, but nonetheless, it was in, in fact uh, Ron Hubbard. How did you know uh, that? Did you just like you're just interested in those kind of factoids? Yeah, uh, once you follow celebrity life for so long, you see so many people, and you're like, "What on earth is this?" And, <laughs> and then and you then fall you down said, the Wikipedia rabbit hole. That's it. That's it. You're like, <laughs> I'm really happy that my Catholic faith was founded by Jesus Himself. There you go. Praise be to God. All right, let's jump into question numero dos. The question on the board, Tito. All right. Name an eminent Catholic astronomer from any point in history. Any point in history. Uh, Copernic Cassini. 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 Yes, Cassini. Okay. Uh, also, Copernicus is another one, but Cassini. I'm staying right. with Cassini. Cassini is what you're saying. Yes, sir. I've never heard of this Cassini you oh, speak of. They've named a satellite after him. Okay. All right. If you say so. All right, Andre. The question on the board is, name an eminent Catholic astronomer from any point in history. I feel like this question is way too easy. About 15 seconds of the clock. Andre, what say you? He named either Copernicus or Cassini. He went with Cassini. Cassini. Okay. I'll roll with it. Let's, let's say it's right. Let's say it's right, he says. Praise be to God. Way to go. I have no idea who Cassini is. The only Cassini uh, I know is the uh, Italian soccer player. 
So, oh, he's uh, a soccer player. That's, so, that's two more than I know. <laughs> <laughs> so he, there's a telescope named after him, you're saying? Yeah, a, tel- a telescope uh, on top of a satellite similar to that L. Ron Hubbard tel- uh, uh, satellite you were mentioning earlier. Okay, well, praise be to God. Uh, I looked him up. He's a 18th century Italian astronomer and mathematician. Praise be to God. There you go, folks. Cassini. Polymath. The more you know, the more you know. All right, let's do the last question here. The question on the board is a short alb used by the priest outside of mass when he preaches in procession is what? Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Hold on. I'm an acolyte. I should know this. Surplus. 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 Surplus? Surplus. A surplus. Yes. Okay. All righty. If you say so. Uh, Andre, the question on the board is a short alb used by the priest outside of mass when he preaches in a procession is called what? Tito seems to think that it's called a surplus. What say you, Andre? Is he right? Is he wrong? Is he trying to trick you? What say you, Andre? Tito, Tito tries to trick people? Oh, my gosh. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, I was an Elvis server once, too. A surplus. <laughs> but I never was in a preaching outside moment. Uh, I'll say yes. He Tito, says don't, yes. Don't fool me. Nailed it! Three for three! Andre, praise you to God. Congratulations. See, I told you it's very easy. Even if you guess, you get a 50-50 chance. But Andre, you got three for three. And yes, in fact, it's like a little... It's a white garment that goes over the priest's cassock. It's very commonly worn during festive seasons. It has a lot of frill on it. During unfestive season, it's just straight white. But praise be to God, you nailed it, Andre. Praise be to God. How do you feel? I feel great. Praise be to God. Now you can uh, tell the Cistercians, it's like, hey, I'm a Catholic trivia champion, just so you all know. I might as well be teaching the classes myself. I will let them know. CCD. I let them know. All righty, Andre, that's going to do it. Stay on hold, and Tito's going to get your contact information, so that way, if we draw your name tomorrow, we can send you the prize. But God bless you, and God bless your son. Uh, so say hi to your son there, and Andre, have a blessed day. And that's going to do it for today. If you can join us in the after show, hop on YouTube, Rumble, Facebook, or, and uh, where else are we? Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey. There you go. Hop on with us, and we will chat with you directly. We have so much to cover, so many things that we talked about today. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If not, we'll see you back 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the GRN tomorrow morning. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Parce Populo 
ne in eternum irascaris nobis. Parce domine, parce populo tuo, ne in eternum irascaris nobis. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord have, Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Be near, O Lord, to those who plead before you, and look kindly on those who place their hope in your mercy, that cleansed from the stain of, this, of their sins, they may persevere in holy living and be made full heirs of your promise. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Reading from the book of Genesis. When Abram prostrated himself, God spoke to him. My covenant with you is this. You are to become the father of a host of nations. No longer shall you be called Abram, your name shall be Abraham, for I am making you the father of a host of nations. I will render you exceedingly fertile. I will make nations of you. Kings shall stem from you. I will maintain my covenant with you and your descendants after you throughout the ages as an everlasting pact to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land in which you are now staying, the whole land of Canaan, as a permanent possession, and I will be their God. God also said to Abraham, On your part, you and your descendants after you must keep my covenant throughout the ages. The word of the Lord. The Lord remembers his covenant forever. The Lord remembers his covenant forever. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek to serve him constantly. Recall the wondrous deeds that he has wrought, his portents, and the judgments he uttered. The Lord remembers his covenant forever. You descendants of Abraham, his servants, sons of Jacob, his chosen ones, he, the Lord, is our God. Throughout the earth his judgments prevail. The Lord remembers his covenant forever. He remembers forever his covenant, which he made binding for a thousand generations which he had entered into with Abraham and by his oath to Isaac. The Lord remembers his covenant forever. 
Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to the Jews, Amen, amen, I say to you, Whoever keeps my word will never see death. So the Jews said to him, Now we are sure that you are possessed. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, Whoever keeps my word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? Or the prophets, who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is worth nothing. But it is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. You do not know him, but I know him. And if I should say that I do not know him, I would be like you, a liar. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Abraham, your father, rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, before Abraham came to be, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid and went out of the temple area. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. The usually is around this time in our season of Lent where we begin to recognize the difficulty of really keeping those Lenten practices that we began almost five weeks ago. We start to, start to, even start to hit a wall, and we wonder, why is it so hard right now? Well, we can do anything for about 30 days, and then it really begins, to, the rubber hits the road. But if you experience that kind of resistance or inertia in your spiritual, that spiritual Lent, there could be two things. One is to remind, we have to remind ourselves that in Lent, we as the church, as the body of Christ, are with Jesus, united with him in his passion and death and his resurrection. And because of that, Saint Paul, like St. Paul says, all of us have to bear our, our hardships of the gospel, for the gospel. That uh, all of us in some degree or measure, as the members of the church, the body of Christ, are going through this Paschal mystery with Jesus, so we experience it in some way. The second thing is that if, if, um, if we experience that kind of inertia, then we, if we just make small efforts to, res to go against that inertia. So sometimes, this time of year, I think we get a little bit prickly. And so if we, if we instead of lashing out, if we maybe hold our tongue or even try to say something kind and good, rather than what, we were, what we're thinking in our minds, then just that little bit of resistance, of, of going against the, the sort of kind of, as I said, inertia that sort of brings us down, then we will, we will continue to kind of fight in this battle. 
you see in the gospel, as I mentioned before, there's this resistance to the mission of Jesus, and it's becoming more and more intense. It becomes extremely intense in Holy Week, but you already see this. The Jews are kind of like, who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus is saying, in no uncertain terms, I am. How many times has he said that in the gospel this week? That I am. Really proclaiming that he is God. And it must have seemed extremely, extremely strange to those who were listening to him. Of course, we know because Jesus is risen from the dead. But for them, it must have been extremely strange for this guy to basically make himself out to be God. This plays out in a way in our, in our soul, in our hearts. This is the time when we make that deep confession of faith in Jesus Christ that you are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. And that's why when Jesus says, you know, whoever keeps my word will never see death. We sometimes wonder, well, is Jesus' words really true? I've seen people die. I know I'm going to die. What is this if I keep his word that I'll never see death? Of course, Jesus is trying to point us out, point it to something greater, that death is not just the, the body, biological. It's something, it's something greater. It includes something much more profound and deeper, and that is death by sin, which is the deepest death. This body is going to pass away, but we're going to receive it in resurrection. But if we die in sin, well, then we, we will go to the resurrection of destruction, you know? That we won't come to see the glory that God has prepared for us. But rather, we will, we will remain in that state of being separated from God. But if we hold on to that word of Jesus, and that really takes root in our hearts and in our souls, and we begin to live it in this very profound and intense way, then the death already happens because we die to ourself to live for Jesus Christ. And then this past, the, the physical death that we experience is simply a passing from this, this life to the next. As, or as Jesus will describe it as falling asleep. But if we haven't died, we will, we will, be, we will look at death with a lot of fear and trepidation and that, because we're not sure, quite sure what, uh, how, what this experience will be like. We only get to experience once in life, thanks be to God. But Jesus has called us to something so much greater. Let us, as we continue in this Lenten journey, profess our deep faith. Jesus is the Son of God. And if we keep his word, truly the life of God lives within us. And he will bring us to the resurrection to life. As the solemnity of Easter approaches, dear friends, let our, our prayer to the Lord be all the more insistent that all of us and the whole multitude of the baptized, together with the entire world, may come to share more abundantly in this sacred mystery. That God may be pleased to increase faith and understanding in the catechumens who are to be initiated by holy baptism in the coming Paschal Solemnity, let us pray to the Lord. that all peoples in need may find help, and that peace and security may be firmly established everywhere. Let us pray to the Lord. That all who are afflicted or suffering temptation may be strengthened by his grace. Let us pray to the Lord. 
that all of us may learn to distribute the fruits of self-denial for the good of those in need. Let us pray to the Lord. For those who have died, for the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace, let us pray to the Lord. Let us lift up our own intentions for those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio and also those who are enrolled in our Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Have mercy, O Lord, on the prayers of your church and turn with compassion to the hearts that bow before you, that those you make shares in the divine mystery may never be left without your assistance. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands, who will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine, and work of human hands, will become our spiritual drink. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Look with favor, Lord, we pray on these sacrificial offerings, that they may profit our conversion and the salvation of all the world, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For through the saving passion of your Son, the whole world has received a heart to confess the infinite power of your majesty. Since by the wondrous power of the cross, your judgment on the world is now revealed and the authority of Christ crucified. And so, Lord, with all the angels and saints, we too give you thanks as an exaltation we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Leni Sunceli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini,
Hosanna in To you, therefore, most merciful Father, we make humble prayer and petition through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, that you accept and bless these gifts, these offerings, these holy and unblemished sacrifices, which we offer you firstly for your holy Catholic Church. Be pleased to grant her peace, to guard, unite, and govern her throughout the whole world, together with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all those who, holding to the truth, hand on the Catholic and apostolic faith. Remember, Lord, your servants. And all gathered here whose faith and devotion are known to you. For them we offer you this sacrifice of praise, or they offer it for themselves and all who are dear to them, for the redemption of their souls in hope of health and well-being, and paying their homage to you, the eternal God, living and true. In communion with those whose memory we venerate, especially the glorious ever-Virgin Mary, mother of our God and Lord, Jesus Christ, and blessed Joseph, her spouse, your blessed apostles and martyrs, Peter and Paul, Andrew, and all your saints, we ask that through their merits and prayers in all things we may be defended by your protecting help. Therefore, Lord, we pray, graciously accept this oblation of our service, that of your whole family. Order our days in your peace, and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation and counted among the flock of those you have chosen. Be pleased, O God, we pray, to bless, acknowledge, and approve this offering in every respect. Make it spiritual and acceptable, so that it may become for us the body and blood of your most beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. On the day before he was to suffer, he took bread in his holy and venerable hands, and with eyes raised to heaven, to you, O God, his almighty Father, giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took this precious chalice in his holy and venerable hands, and once more giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world. For by your cross and resurrection, you have set us free. Therefore, Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the blessed passion, the resurrection from the dead, and the glorious ascension into heaven of Christ your Son, our Lord, we, your servants and your holy people, offer to your glorious majesty from the gifts that you have given us, this pure victim, this holy victim, this spotless victim, the holy bread of eternal life, and the chalice of everlasting salvation. 
be pleased to look upon these offerings with a serene and kindly countenance and to accept them as once you were pleased to accept the gifts of your servant Abel the just, the sacrifice of Abraham, our father in faith, and the offering of your high priest Melchizedek, a holy sacrifice, a spotless victim. In humble prayer we ask you, Almighty God, command that these gifts be borne by the hands of your holy angel to your altar on high, in sight of your divine majesty, so that all of us who through this participation at the altar receive the most holy body and blood of your Son may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing. Remember, Lord, your servants who have gone before us with the sign of faith and rest in the sleep of peace. Grant them, O Lord, we pray, and all who sleep in Christ a place of refreshment, light, and peace. To us also, your servants, who those sinners, hope in your abundant mercies. Graciously grant some share in fellowship with your holy apostles and martyrs, with John the Baptist, Stephen, Matthias, Barnabas, and all your saints. Admit us, we beseech you, into their company, not weighing our merits, but granting us your pardon through Christ our Lord, through whom you continue to make all these good things, O Lord, you sanctify them, fill them with life, bless them, and bestow them upon us. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Qui tollis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter under my roof. 
for only save the word and my soul shall be. For those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally in Holy Communion at this time, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Let us pray. Nourished by your saving gifts, we beseech your mercy, Lord, that by this same sacrament with which you feed us in the present age, you may make us partakers of life eternal through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Bow down for the blessing. Be gracious to your people, Lord, we pray, that as from day to day they reject what does not please you, they may be filled instead with delight at your commands through Christ our Lord. Mighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Ave Regina Celorum, Ave Domina Angelorum, Salve Radix, Salve Porta, Ex Qua Mundo Lux Est Orta, Gaude Virgo Gloriosa, Super Omnes.
Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Father Paul Hovenetz, the pastor.